Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Oftentimes you might hear this preached uh, the Sunday before uh, Christmas, but here we are. Not the Sunday before Christmas, but close to it. And it is our next passage as we continue walking through the book of Luke, and we'll pick it back up in a couple weeks when Jesus is presented at the temple at the beginning of January. But Luke chapter 2, we're going to concentrate on verses 1 through 21 this morning um, and, uh, and look back to chapter 1 and a few verses there as well. Peace and the heart is what this message has been titled, and really just to help us to think about these two things, this idea of peace and our hearts, and how these two things relate um, this morning. Let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. By the way, that was, George, you did a good job of all the the names, <laughs> so many, so many towns. Can there be any more towns to say in one passage in 15 verses? Man, you were a trooper. Good job. All right. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> Verse three. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel, before he was conceived in the womb. What a great passage. I mentioned it a week or two ago that for whatever reason, my parents had put me in charge of reading this passage every Christmas morning before we were allowed to open presents. And so typically, I would be in the mood of reading this passage and saying, I just want to get to the next part, to the good stuff. Um, And so I I, I hope this morning that we can have the opportunity together to just sort of stop and 
and glory in this news of what has happened and how it happened and why it happened. Again, as, as we began our journey through the, this gospel of Luke, through this book of Luke, I told you that Luke is mainly an historian. He is giving us facts of when things happened and how they happened, and he's doing it with lots of detail. And so that's what we get in verse 1. In those days, so hearkening back to, uh, hearkening, hearken the herald angels sing, right? I don't know, hearkening, I guess, is on my mind. (laughs) Okay, well, moving on. Um, So in those days is a reference to when the angel came to Zechariah and said, you're going to have a son. And Elizabeth gets pregnant, and she's several months pregnant, and Mary gets a visit from the same angel, Gabriel, and says, you are going to have a son, and he's going to be even better than your relative son. And then Mary goes and sees Elizabeth and rejoices with him, and John the Baptist we have is born. And so in those days, around that same time, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. So basically the the ruler of the known world, as it were. So God is establishing these events through history, through people who had nothing to do particularly with the birth of Jesus, seemingly, who, who weren't a part of um, the family, who weren't a part of even that nation. God has made it so that He works out His plans through everything, through the people who don't even praise Him, through the people who don't even recognize Him, through the people who call themselves God on earth. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. He wanted to know how many people were under his rule. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, I mean, I could tell you when this was, and there's some debate. It's probably before 0 B.C. slash A.D., it was probably between 3 and 5 B.C., maybe even a year or two before that. Hopefully I didn't spoil your calendar. But anyways, there you go. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And so Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now, a year ago, when we were going through the, the book of Isaiah, the first part of Isaiah, we can see and look back, and, and we did talk about this a year ago, how these were prophecies, at least as early as Isaiah, of where this Savior, where this promised Messiah was going to come from and who he was going to be. And why it's so interesting how Luke, not just the historian, of the world, of all the things that were happening, but also looking to how God was fulfilling the promises that He had made, the prophecies that were made in the Old Testament. Again, as we began our journey in Luke, the good news of Jesus Christ is that the Old Testament is going to be fulfilled and that history is certain that these things have happened, and this is what Luke is trying to communicate to us, and that these things are spiritually reliable, some of the things that we've mentioned. And so way back in Isaiah, in chapter 9, verse 1, I'll read this. 
But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. As a reference, all the way back from Isaiah, hundreds of years earlier, that this promised child who was to be born was going to be from Nazareth. And so Luke, as he records it for us, makes it abundantly clear that Joseph was from the town of Nazareth and that he went to Bethlehem because that is where David was from. That's where David grew up. That's where David had established, been established as king over Israel. And now you have a child who is to be born, a son who is to be given, as has been prophesied all the way back in at least Isaiah chapter 9. And you're familiar with this, I'm sure. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. They were waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years for this prophecy to be fulfilled. And now we have Luke recording for us how these things took place, when they took place, where they took place, and how God was true to his word. And so we find Mary and Joseph going down to Bethlehem, verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Isn't it interesting? We start verse 1 by talking about Caesar Augustus, who's making all these decrees from his throne, from his posh set up in Rome. And then you have all the way down to a subjugated no man's land, outlying country and town where you have the Savior of the world to be born. And what's interesting as we continue to go through this passage, notice that it's not to Caesar Augustus and it's not to all the people in the posh positions and all the people who know everything and all the smart guys and all of the priests and all of the people around the temple, all the people who knew the Old Testament and who wanted to serve God. It's not to these people, and it's not to the people in the world in general who had all of the power and all of the money that God makes known the events that are taking place and that the Savior of the world has been born. Caesar Augustus makes his decrees, but God makes his decrees. And who does he make his decrees to? Who does he make the good news known to? The lowest of people, the, the people who no one else cares about, the people who you don't even think of. This is who he sends another angel to proclaim the good news of the birth of the Savior of the world. And this is, again, one of Luke's themes throughout his gospel. God cares for those that no one else cares about. God cares for those who seem like they're on the outside of society, on the margins, that no one really takes time to consider, to spend time with, to think about, to what do you think about these things? This wasn't a democracy that these people lived in. 
They couldn't vote. They couldn't decide what was happening. They had no control. They had absolutely no power. They had little money. And God says, I care about you. And you're going to be one of the first ones that I make known this news to. Verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Again, God delights to make known himself to visit people in just the everyday course that they normally would be in. So often we want to see God work in all of these miraculous ways through paranormal means at unique times when we want him to do something. But God's mode of operating, the way in which he works, I think he delights to see people doing what he's called them to do, to work the land, to, to take care of sheep, to, to do what they can to care for their families and their towns. And in those moments, God shows up and makes news known to them. So you have shepherds just doing their thing at night. Verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Remember, we, we mentioned this when Gabriel visited Zechariah. What is the first thing that the angel has to say to Zechariah? You can look back in chapter 1. Verse 12, And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, the first thing he says to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. When that same angel Gabriel visits Mary, he greets her in verse 28 in chapter 1. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. And so now again we have this angel appearing to the shepherds. And what is the response that they have when an angel of the Lord appears to them? They're not saying, Oh, you're so cute and fluffy and, you know, riding on a cloud and maybe you have a, a bow and arrow. You know, no, it's just like these are powerful beings who are at God's bidding to do what God tells them to do and to do it well. And so what the first thing, really, that the angel says to them is, fear not. Look, this is, this is not an occasion to be afraid. This is not an occasion to wonder, uh-oh, what have we done? This is, you know, uh, I let one of the sheep go. Um, I left, you know, I left the 99 and the 99 got lost. You know, and I brought back the one and I lost the rest of them. No, this is not, you know, punishment. They don't need to be afraid because this, what he brings... He says, fear not, look, I bring you not something to be afraid of, not something to fear. I bring you good news of great joy, just the opposite. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Again, I mentioned this a minute ago. This is good news of great joy that is for all the people. This is not just for those who it seems like deserve it. It's not for those who have worked their tail off and have earned their position in society. It's not for those who have used corrupt means to gain power and to keep power. It's not those who were born into money and still have money and have done great and wonderful things in this world with all of their money. This good news is for all the people. Verse 11, For unto you is born this day, for you, in your midst, 
for your salvation. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. Isn't it, isn't it great? In Zechariah and with Elizabeth, you have them both sort of asking for signs, wondering how is this going to be? How can I know that these things are going to take place? Zechariah was unbelief. Mary had belief. And with the shepherds, the angel doesn't even give them an opportunity to express unbelief or belief. He just simply says, this is the news. You're, you're going to find a baby being born in Bethlehem, and he is Christ the Lord. And here's a sign for you. Just in case you're not sure that I'm telling the truth, that you're just thinking you're seeing a vision and you can't really trust what's happening before your eyes, you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then another sign immediately in their context, right in front of their face. It wasn't just the one angel, but there was a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Why don't we do what the angels told us to do? <laughs> you know, Why don't we go see this thing that they've said has happened and is happening? Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, yeah, wow, we weren't just seeing things. We, we, this wasn't a hallucination. We didn't pop some pills this morning and all of a sudden, you know, we were loopy. No, this is actually happening. This is amazing. This is a baby that we can hold in our arms. This is Mary and Joseph that we can shake their hand. And when they saw it, verse 17, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. When, when we encounter God and His Word, we recognize that this Word is for us. It is for all the people. But if we recognize that it is for us, as individuals, as a people, we haven't truly understood it if we don't also recognize that it is for those around us as well. It's not just for us. This news is for all the people. And so what the shepherds do, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. The good news that had been shared with them, they shared it. Maybe they didn't know if Mary and Joseph knew exactly what was going on. Maybe they wanted to make sure that they knew, hey, we just saw some angels and they said this is this is going to be Christ the Lord. And Mary and Joseph, maybe they didn't know it. They, didn't, they hadn't met Mary and Joseph before. And they made known this. And, and, and apparently there were probably people, I mean, running at night hurriedly. Um, I don't know how common that was back in the day. But, but anytime you see someone running at night towards you um, or towards something, you're kind of thinking, what's going on over here? You know, like, what is this happening? And so maybe... Maybe a crowd started gathering around, and maybe it was more than just the animals, as the cartoons and the pictures always show. Maybe it was actual people that were around this manger, that the shepherds, as they made their way to Bethlehem and to the manger, they said, hey, come and see if this is, like, legit. Come and see if this is real and really happening. And, and when, when we find it, you can look at it with us, and we can proclaim these things to you as well. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and what's the response that all have 
upon hearing this news, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I mentioned it last week that we didn't talk much between verses 57 and 66 of chapter 1. There are so many similarities with what happened with the birth of John the Baptist as it's told, as people rejoice with Elizabeth, as Zechariah's mouth is opened back up and he can begin hearing and speaking again. So many similar reactions that the people have. I'm going to read chapter 1, verse 57 and, and following. And now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Another opportunity for joy in the midst of the work that God is doing among His people. Her neighbors and relatives heard because Elizabeth had made it known, because people around Elizabeth had made it known. The people who knew the facts of the matter were making it known to those around them. This is an amazing thing that God is doing. And then verse 64, And immediately his mouth was opened, talking about Zechariah, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And then fast forward to where we have the people in verse 18 and Mary particularly in verse 19 of chapter 2. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What an amazing story. What what an amazing series of events that have taken place. And I want to point out the very interesting difference between what we find in the birth of John the Baptist and how people respond and and how that is similar and dissimilar from how people respond to Jesus' birth as they are told about it, as they respond to it. See, all the neighbors in John the Baptist's side, all these things were talked about. They heard it, they talked about it, and everyone who heard it laid, them up in their, laid this up in their hearts. And, and their question was, what then will this child be? It's amazing the, the circumstances surrounding what is going on here with John the Baptist. What is this child going to be? All of these things that shouldn't have taken place, this old couple that got pregnant shouldn't have ever happened, but it's happened. This guy was in the temple and all of a sudden he went mute, which doesn't happen all the time when someone is you know, properly functioning physically. And all of a sudden they come out of the temple and their service as priest and they can't talk. Clearly they've seen a vision, an angel has visited them. What amazing things is this child going to do? And what's left with us there in verse 66 is that the hand of the Lord was with John the Baptist. But as it's described for us in Luke chapter 2, what's told for us is not that the Lord is going to be with Jesus, but that Jesus is the Lord. Look back in in chapter 2 in verse 11. 
I'll read verses 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So it's not just that God is going to be with him, but that he is God. The Lord is with John, but Jesus is the Lord. And so let's not get our priorities mistaken. God is doing and has done a miraculous thing with John the Baptist, but this news of Jesus Christ is worth so much more. John the Baptist has his role and has his place. And we can marvel at the things that God does, but the thing that we must marvel at the most is who is this child, this Jesus Christ, who is this child going to be? And I think that's the question that, that we have sort of posed for us kind of behind what's written down. And that's some of what I have to think Mary is, is treasuring up and pondering herself. That's what the shepherds are wondering at and the people who heard it that the shepherds had made known the news. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them in verse 18 and verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I mean, how much more should we ponder and consider for ourselves, take a minute to stop and just think, who is this child, the Christ, going to be? This, this young boy, this infant who is called Jesus. Who is this child going to grow up to be? What is he going to grow up to do? And why is this so important for us? And Mary takes a minute in all of the just stress and I'm sure the tiredness and the amazing events surrounding giving birth. It's, it's a tiring thing. I don't know personally, you know, uh, so I, I, try, I dare not try to um, act like I have a firm idea. But, you know, we do have two kids and I was there in the room for all such things. So I didn't feel the, th- I didn't feel those things, but I was present for the feelings. Um, and I mean, how exhausting such a time is, how, what joy it brings. But, but then just to think you're in a hospital room, right? And, and then you have these people barge in and be like, Hey, is, is that the baby we're looking for? Cause we just had a vision, you know, out outside the hospital when we were driving around and, we were told that we could find this kid here and I mean, just how strange would that be to have just given birth and to be exhausted and to just be like, oh, I'm so glad he's finally here and I've I've gotten through that part. But now I have these strange people visiting me in my room and this is kind of awkward. But you have to think, Mary was told who her child was going to be and then she has clearly the knowledge that what has happened to her should not have happened physically, but God promised that it would, and now it has. And, and just a, another confirmation that this thing really is happening, and it is happening the way in which God has planned it, and it is a special thing. He brings in people from the outside who don't know them, and he says, go and share this news, this news that I'm bringing to you, this good news of great joy, and realize that this baby is not just for Mary, but this baby who has come through Mary is for all the people. 
one of the things that is so interesting is this saying in verse 14. And one thing that I want to make clear, even as we kind of wrap this, this story up this morning. In verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. There are some translations that are different. Maybe they don't have that last little phrase, but, but that phrase is unique there in that saying of all of the angels together who are praising God. They say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Who is God pleased with, and how is He pleased with them? Isn't that the constant question that we have for ourselves? How can I know that God is pleased with me? I mean, as Christians, we can know and understand that nothing but the blood of Jesus can make me right with God. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We, we know this fact but then sometimes we live in such a way as thinking, I've got to earn this peace. I've got to earn my way into knowing that I have peace with God. And we get caught up in trying to do the work ourselves. And I wonder, I ponder, maybe as these shepherds and the people who heard the shepherds and Mary and Joseph themselves I wonder if they're pondering, if they're wondering, was that, isn't it amazing that God is the one who is doing all of this work and that we are just onlookers, participants, just, I mean, of God doing this work through us, but God being the one who is doing this work, of God being the one who is making this news known, of God being the one who is causing all of these miracles to happen. And, and I just, I suppose that these are the things that the shepherds and the audience around this manger and Mary herself are thinking about. This is a work that God has done. And what more will this child be? What more will this child do that I can't do, that I haven't been able to do? That, that God is going to bring peace to all the people. And my job is simply to trust and believe that He is the one who has done the work, who is doing the work. So when I, maybe even in the Christmas season, and in a place that we meet that does a lot of good things for the community. Sometimes it seems like we can get in the mode of, I need to give away some presents and I need to serve some people and I need to do some things to just have a little bit more peace in my own heart, to have a little bit more satisfaction, to have a little bit more, okay, I've, I've done my part, I've done my good deed. And sometimes we rest in those things that we do and we fail to rest in the peace that God provides. And so in, in our hearts, in our deceitful and wicked hearts naturally, 
we want to always turn the message of the gospel that God has done this great thing through Jesus Christ to bring us to salvation through his blood on the cross, through his resurrection, that we want to try and play a part in it to somehow legitimize the peace that we have been offered, the grace that has been received. And so I want us to think about, to ponder, to wonder for ourselves and to marvel in just the fact that God is the one who has done this and God is the only one who could have done this and there's nothing that we can do to contribute to this peace in our hearts other than resting in the good news of great joy that has been delivered then now to us 2,000 something years later that was proclaimed to these shepherds in this random field in this place thousands of miles away from us on this earth. This is good news of great joy for all the people, but we know that it is only for those who would believe, who trust, who say, I know I can't do anything to be made right with God and that I need this baby that was born and this baby that grew up to live a perfect life, to die the death that I deserved, who took upon himself all of my sin on that cross and paid the debt that I owed and was killed for me. And then to show that he had the power over sin and death, he was raised from the dead. And because of his life, because of his resurrection, I now can have life. And all I have to do is submit to him, this baby who was born, who was Christ the Lord, and who still is Christ the Lord as our resurrected King and Savior. This is, this is the man, this is the God-man, this is the God who we worship and serve and rest in and put all of our hope and trust in because he's worth it. And this is news that we have, that we can proclaim to others, that you don't have to do anything to be made right. You don't have to work your way into proving yourself to be the good people of society or, or proving yourselves to be the people in the church who deserve salvation. None of us deserve salvation, but God in his grace and in his mercy has offered us a way of peace, and this way of peace was born in a manger in the middle of nowhere to a bunch of nobodies, and he made the news known to a bunch of nobodies so that us as a bunch of nobodies could be called sons of and daughters of God simply by believing and trusting. What amazing news that is for us, and what amazing news that is that we can share with those around us as this is what we celebrate during this time. And so I pray that it would be the case. I pray that with the shepherds, we can think about this news and we can return, as it says in verse 20, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. God fulfilled his promises. God worked in history. And we can trust him because he did what he said he was going to do 
And this news is not just for those who have deserved it or earned it or seem like they do, but it's for us and it's for those around us. What an amazing truth. Let's pray. God, we thank you that this truth has been received by us, that we can know this. And so I pray that you would help us to pause during this time and this season that we celebrate every year. Just marvel at the work that you accomplished. The pieces that you set in motion to fulfill your promises to do this once and for all act that brings us peace. So God, help us to be a people who are at peace, to be a church who proclaims peace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.